Hi there. Uh, nice to see you again. I say that, but I, I wish I could see you. Uh, it make talking and teaching uh, just a lot, a lot easier. Of course, I'd like to get your feedback, which we do in person. Um, I'm sitting where I sit in uh, Sunday school, in room 5B. Uh, I enjoy teaching, but I enjoy, of course, the people and, and the back and forth. We get questions, we get comments, and it's not just hearing the one voice. Uh, but I hope for now, uh, these times of uh, separation from church, um, I hope that uh, you know this is something that's helpful to you. Uh, essentially, what I'm doing, I think I mentioned my first lesson. This is a shortened view, if you will, of some of what I've been doing uh, in my class on Sunday mornings. Um, it's worth hearing again for those that are in the class because we forget and there's a lot of material and it's heavy. And it's worth it, I think, certainly for the first time. But, uh, this is a tremendous, tremendous subject. I'm not boasting on the class, the teaching, but the subject is so incredible. I hope uh, just to whet your appetite to know God better. Uh, tremendous subject we ought to all major in. I'm recording this on May 13th, 2020. I don't know when... You may be looking at it, um, but May 13th, I did a few uh, look at the calendar before starting. Uh, it's been 58 days since lockdown, the official lockdown. It's been nine weeks since our last church service, nine weeks since we met together as a church. Uh, the other one I looked in the calendar, it's been 15 weeks since my last haircut. Okay, we won't go there, but anyway, I said it. Second half of the lesson, incomprehensible yet knowable. Um, last time we said God was incomprehensible. Uh, an interesting scripture is in uh, Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 29, uh, verse 29. Easy to remember, Deuteronomy 29, 29. Let me read the verse. Uh, maybe I'll just read the first half of the verse first. You may know this verse. The secret thing... The secret things belong to the Lord our God. The secret things belong to the Lord. God has secrets. I mean, that doesn't mean he's sneaky. He has not revealed all the things that are to reveal. God is infinite. So there's things God doesn't know. That makes sense. You'd be, obviously be a pretty peculiar, play odd thought to think you know what God knows. So God has secrets. But let me read the whole verse now. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of this law. God has revealed things. He has secret things that he hasn't revealed, other things he has revealed. And we're accountable, okay? We do that. He tells about himself, the law, all things, and we're accountable for those things he's revealed uh, to us. Um, it's wonderful to think of how our incomprehensible God, and we described a lot of verses last week, just so incredible who God is, and yet he's revealed things about himself. And he's revealed a lot, okay, a great deal. Hebrews uh, chapter 1, Hebrews, a New Testament book, um, tremendous book about Christ, uh, who Christ is. But here's the first two verses of the book of Hebrews. And, of course, New Testament, it's talking back about times past, or Old Testament times. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, 
whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. So in the past, he spoke to our fathers, okay, the forefathers, of course, talking the Hebrews, Hebrew nation, by the prophets. He did it many times in many ways. There's all, all kind of prophecy uh, within your, your Old Testament. Not just major prophets, minor prophets, but other places besides the prophecy books. There are prophecies, and God spoke many ways. But Hebrews is saying, Old Testament complete, we know that. They haven't heard from a prophet in uh, 400 years till John the Baptist came, and then Jesus came. But now in these last days, the time of Christ here, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. There's that creation again. If, you have, if you're stumbling on creation, you, you got to, this is a toughie because it's everywhere in the Bible. I mean, it's not tough as a subject. It's tough if you stumble on it because you keep reading about it. So, man, it's not just Genesis. So uh, that's a separate subject I'd like to talk more about. I feel passionate about you know me, you may know that. But for now, uh, through whom he created the world, that's Jesus. I'm working hard not to go off on a tangent. It's real hard. I don't know if you're going to see the first tape that we made a while back, but I went like forever talking. Big surprise, I know. I don't think you're going to see that one. I hope not. <clears throat> and see, I just went off the script there. Okay, watch it, Bob. What's the script say? Next thing on the script, what the script is hopefully good. Well, it is good because it's reading scripture. Talking about God having revealed himself. Now, through his son, he's revealed himself. Luke chapter 10, verse 21 to 24. This is Jesus, of course, talking Jesus with the disciples, but now he's more by himself, it seems. Uh, talking, praying, rejoicing in the Holy Spirit. In that same hour... He rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desire to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. You know, Deuteronomy 29, we have that principle, uh, God has secrets, and, uh, and yet he's revealed certain things. Um, and, of course, after that was written, God revealed uh, more things and through the prophets, more things. Now, in the New Testament times, uh, through Jesus. There's verse 22, the middle one of the, worst, uh, uh, of the words that I read there, uh, Luke 10, 22. I'm going to repeat it because it's, so, it's a little tricky, but it's, it's so significant. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. Okay, Jesus talking about his Father gave him these things. No one knows who the Son is except the Father. The Father knows the Son. And no one knows who the Father is except the Son. You can stop right there. Okay, you get that. They understand each other. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. No one knows who the Father is except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. So I'm getting goosebumps. I don't know if you're getting goosebumps, but I'm getting goosebumps because 
as believers, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, God has revealed things to us, us who don't deserve it. Back in the Old Testament, Psalm 139, another familiar psalm. In the first uh, six verses of Psalm 139, David, the writer of the psalm, he's talking about God's uh, omniscience. That's our word. That's a nice word. Theologians use it. It's a good word. Omniscience, all-knowing, omni-science knowledge, all-knowing. That's not uh, a Bible word. It's a Bible subject that God is all-knowing. Okay. So David, of course, doesn't use that word. He doesn't even say God has all knowledge. That would be a true statement, but he doesn't say it that way. What David does in this particular psalm, David describes God's knowledge of him. Okay, And we look at that and say, whoa, this God is omniscient, all-knowing. David is saying this, and what he's saying is tremendous thought. It's, it's worship. It's uh, so true to David. But listen to what he says. I'm going to just go to the first six verses. The whole psalm is uh, very interesting, obviously. Of course, I'd have to say that, but it is and it's true. But the first six verses. O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, Behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. That's through verse 5. David knows that God knows all these things. He's amazed at all these things that God knows all about me. You know everything about me, everything about me. God even knows David's thoughts before David does. Okay? You got that last part. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it. Yeah, you, you, there aren't really mind readers. We'll talk about mind reading, like you think and I know what you're thinking, that kind of silliness. God knows David's thoughts before David knows David's thoughts. So what does he say in verse uh, 6? That's 1 through 5, tremendous things about God, you search me, know me, you know all these things. Verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. The knowledge is too wonderful, too high, I can't attain it. That sounds like our word incomprehensible, okay? It's too high, I can't attain it. Do you see the connection? The first five verses, he's saying things he can barely grasp, but he knows that they're true about God, that God knows all these things about him. And yet, he's not saying, therefore, I know God fully. No, he's saying, I don't. I don't understand how this can be. And yet he knows that they're true things. Incomprehensible, yet God has revealed these things. He's also knowable. Jesus is incomprehensible. You know, we, we learn little parts about it, so I get that. Okay, I see that. Okay. And yet everything really about him uh, incomprehensible. Just a, a few things. This is a very, very short list. Um, Jesus conceived by the Holy Spirit. Can't comprehend that. Born of a virgin. Walked on water. Rose from the dead. Ascended to heaven. Jesus is incomprehensible. Yet, we know 
things about Jesus. We know quite a bit. Praise God. It's, fan- it's fantastic. Uh, the word, uh, the Trinity. Uh, the word, of course, is not a Bible word, but the idea of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, each being divine, that's uh, definitely scriptural. Um, Trinity, one definition, one divine being who exists in three persons. Okay. Um, boy, talk about being incomprehensible, yet we know it's true from Scripture. We see Scripture, the Father is God, Jesus is divine, Jesus is the Son of God, the Holy Spirit is God, the three in one. Um, one of the lessons, when we get to that, we spent a long time um, on the Trinity. I think that's a really helpful lesson because it kind of broke it down into different pieces, not just looking at all of it, what blows our mind, but uh, Jesus being human, but Jesus also being divine, and just on and on. And it's a tremendous, tremendous subject. Those subjects, you can see where God is uh, incomprehensible, and yet he's revealed a great deal about himself. The main point of this, I said it, but I'm going to repeat it one more time. Um, God is incomprehensible because no one can comprehend him fully. All of his attributes are incomprehensible. You can break them down into separate attributes, and they're incomprehensible, let alone the, the, the total of who he is. And then the second part of the point there, God is knowable because he has revealed certain things about himself, revealed them through his word, uh, in nature, in our conscience, through the, the Holy Spirit revealing, but he's revealed certain things, so both incomprehensible and knowable. Real important subject. I hope you're even beginning to see that now. It's probably a new concept to you, but uh, when I learned this, it sure helped me is why I want to pass it on. Um, two errors to avoid on this uh, subject. Okay, two extremes, if you will. The first one is you're saying, hey, God is unknowable. Well, then he must be just, in, I mean, he's incomprehensible. You say, well, he's unknowable. Let me repeat that one. I got it. If he's incomprehensible, then he must be utterly unknowable. Impossible to say anything good. Okay, this part I really stumbled. I'm going to start over this part. Maybe Steve will cut it, maybe not. Okay, starting again. Two errors to avoid uh, on this subject. One is saying uh, that God is unknowable. That's an error to say that all in itself. That goes like this. If he is incomprehensible, then he must be utterly unknowable. It's impossible to say anything true or false about him. That's an error. Um, you know, with, with that kind of thinking, don't believe anyone who says the Christian faith is true. I've got someone, a cousin that I, that I witnessed to, and he doesn't want to believe any of it because, well, who knows if those things are true or not? God is unknowable. He doesn't use that word, but that's the thought. Um, people think, well, no one can know which religion, if any, is true. You've heard that. Okay. One thing that we might do if we think God is totally unknowable is why bother studying Scripture? You're not going to know. Scripture say he is unknowable. Why study Scripture? Okay. That error is going just on the one side of, of his being incomprehensible. The other error that can be made is to say that God is totally knowable. I mean, God is our friend. We're 
finite, he's infinite, and yet we can fully comprehend him. Now, that, that's silly, and yet that's an error you can say. Um, you know, God just being a totally knowable God. Um, or you may say, you don't know much, but hey, I may not uh, understand, but my teacher understands it all. Any teacher says he understands all of it. Just, just keep going. Don't listen to him. Uh, I say this sincerely. Uh, through the years, the more I, I love learning and studying, and yet uh, the, the amount that I don't know is unbelievable. Because I, you go into a new area of thought or a new area of study, and it turns out that area is so big and there's so much you don't know about it. You move forward and you, you one step forward, ten steps back, it almost feels like. Um, we don't want to say only my church or my denomination knows the truth. That's kind of that he's totally knowable, I know it, my people know it, and so forth. Uh, another thing a person might say is, I don't need to learn any more than I already know. Because he's totally, he's, I know enough. And you know, that's not a very healthy thing. Oh, I learned it as a kid and, and when I was in grammar school. I learned it when I was a new Christian. Stop learning. Um, no, the scriptures are so deep. God is so deep. Uh, for those that have studied, it's a lifelong study, a wonderful study. But don't ever think you, oh, I don't need any of that new stuff. I know enough. Okay, Jesus loves me. This I know before the Bible tells me. So that's wonderful. Keep going in the scriptures and in prayer and, and, and Christian growth and, and, and faith because of who he is. We want to know him better. There's a great benefit in understanding this, this principle of being incomprehensible yet knowable. These are just a few thoughts. There's more. Uh, I think there's a whole lot more, but I kind of just got just to a few. Not necessarily the best ones. There's probably other reasons why it's such a benefit on, on thinking things this way. Uh, one is, uh, knowing that uh, this principle is true helps us to keep our balance. Uh, there's not a pressure to, to fully understand. Okay. Um, now, you may not think of that pressure as a teacher. I, I, I'd like to fully understand. I get questions. Every week I'll get questions. I'm, I don't know. I mean... I'm better than that. I can dance around them and this and that and say a whole lot of words, and they come down to, there's a lot I don't know here. I don't get it, you know. But I don't feel a pressure. I guess I want to be a good teacher. I want to be a good student for myself and be a good teacher. But there's not a pressure that I need to know the whole subject. And there's a big difference there. I know that it's beyond me before I start. So I can keep the balance. What does he reveal? Let me find the scriptures. Let me search the scriptures. You find them. You search the scriptures. But not with the idea we'll know all there is because he gets bigger and bigger the more that we uh, know about him. Um, another, uh, another benefit is um, it's difficult subjects, impossible subjects. Like when we talk about Jesus, say uh, it's pretty clear to say uh, from the scriptures, you can see that Jesus is a, is a, a man, 100% human. No question about Jesus' humanity. And that's another subject in the future we'll cover, and it's a great subject. 100% human. You can also say, from the scriptures, true subject, Jesus is 100% divine. He's not almost God, almost man, fully man, fully God, both of them. Those are both uh, scriptural uh, 
taught, things taught in the scriptures. But of course, that's incomprehensible. If you try to wrap your head around it, which we, we all do, it's hard to get anywhere because it doesn't seem to work, and yet that doesn't make it untrue. Uh, it is true. Uh, the Trinity, you can say the same thing about that. Uh, I already spoke about that, where getting our head wrapped around understanding how the Trinity, what it is, that, uh, that you're not going to get there fully. But learning about what Scripture says about the Godhead, that's tremendous. And there's a great deal to learn, tremendous amount, okay? Uh, about all three members, or about Jesus and about the Father and the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we focus, uh, the Christians in general, Christian church, sometimes is focused on one part of the Godhead, whether Jesus or the Father or the Holy Spirit. As Bible-believing people, we want to be focused on all three, and yet one God. Uh, more about that in a future lesson, uh, Lord, Lord willing. One more uh what I'm calling benefits of knowing this principle. And that is in, in worship. In worship, it helps me to know that God is both incomprehensible and, and knowable. And see if I can explain that. Uh, I look at my notes, they're not as clear as I was hoping. He's not unknowable. If God were unknowable, we'd be worshiping like a primitive kind of person, looking at the sky or the sun or something, worshiping something other than the true God, or not worshiping at all and say, well, there is no God. And, and so our, our worship would be off one way or another. But also it's helpful because in my worship, what I, I don't do because of knowing these things, is I don't think of God in a casual way. He's the man upstairs. Okay, you've heard that one. You may have thought that one. And maybe people don't say it in that words, but there's a bringing God down. How can I worship something that's infinite, incomprehensible? Let me bring him down to a level that I could see and worship. And this is a basic thing of idols and all the rest of that, and bringing God down and idols being substitutes for God, whether they're stone or wood or idols in your mind or whatever, but people make idols, bringing God lower. So this helps me to raise God, where I'm not thinking about him in a crass kind of way like the man upstairs. That's a terrible expression, by the way. Probably shouldn't be using that, but anyway, you understand what I mean. Um, one uh, final thing uh, on this lesson, uh, same subject, but someone who... Uh, but it writes better than, than I do. Uh, Professor Biola, I got this off the internet. Uh, his name is difficult to pronounce. Eric uh, Thones, T-H-O-E-N-N-E-S, Professor uh, Biola. Uh, my daughter went to Biola, yay Biola. Um, funny thing is I was sharing uh, this one time and uh, Scott Conley, who went to Biola, had this gentleman, this professor, as professor, said he was a great professor, and I just found this off the internet. I didn't know him. Here's a, he writes uh, two sentences. I'll say them and then repeat them and uh, finish with these. I think they're pretty good. The appropriate response to God is a heart of wonder and awe in light of his incomprehensible greatness. 
God's incomprehensibility also means that beliefs can be held with firm conviction even though they may be filled with inexplicable mystery. Repeating that, the appropriate response to God is a heart of wonder and awe in light of his incomprehensible greatness. I, I hope you're all there. We ought to be in awe of God, amazing God, amazing grace, everything amazing. And then the next one, God's incomprehensibility also means that beliefs can be held with firm conviction even though they may be filled with inexplicable mystery. You may have had somebody say to you, you know, well, how can you believe uh, Jesus because he's unbelievable kind of thing? You say, you know what, he is unbelievable, and yet I can believe him. I have adequate, more than adequate reasons to believe him, to believe the Bible. Yes, there's mystery, but it's not a mystery that uh, dissuades me from, uh, from a belief in him. On the contrary, uh, the more we know about him, the stronger uh, our conviction, the stronger uh, our, our belief. And uh, thank you for listening. I, I hope this subject uh, touches you and, and really challenges you to be something that uh, impacts your thinking. Okay, I don't want you to say, I think this way because Bob thinks this way. Hopefully, uh, look at what the scriptures tell us. Look at what we can learn. We've all got so far to learn about God. We don't want to wait for heaven where the big learning comes. Okay, we want to we want to do now, and maybe this is the little stuff, but it's cool stuff. And of course, it's not little. Uh, he's incomprehensible, yet he's knowable. Uh, thanks for being with me here. Amen. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you. Mm-hmm.